Let me tell you how it will be We'll all catch up on the books you'll see Cause it's the X-Men Yeah, it's the X-Men Hello and welcome to episode 218 of the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. This is an X-Men show where I'm going to be talking through X-Force number 12, Excalibur number 12, and X-Men number 12 as we head off to begin Ten of Swords this week. But before we do that, let me tell you a little bit about us. You can go over to the Twitter and follow us at WS Marvel Comics. If you follow us, we'll follow you back. We have a website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com, where you can go and read written reviews for all of these books, plus get news, previews, articles, things like that. And we also have a Patreon account, Patreon.com slash WeirdScience, where we end up having things so that you can go and support us for this stuff all these shows but also get more and more shows the more levels you go up there and one of the things at the lower level is the patreon only spotlight where me and brandon get together on wednesday night to talk about two books that are picked by the badasses of the get fresh crew beep bop boop and it looks like this week we will be talking about Juggernaut number one, Fabian Nassez's big number one issue right there, and also the second issue of Fantastic Four Antithesis, the Mark Wade slash Neil Adams book that we ended up, I believe, talking about the first issue of that on the Patreon only spotlight as well. Also, I just want to mention for one last time before we get to it, Wednesday nights will be the night for the big show from now on. And we're going to have more books and it'll be a bigger show. And we'll try to figure out how we can cover just about every single book that comes out each week. I'll still have my X-Men show on the weekend, though. So two shows on the feed each week. Big show on Wednesday, X-Men show Probably on Sunday we, we will talk about that And I'll figure that out by the time we get to it But I'm going to be talking Three X-Men books right here Like I said, we'll be talking X-Force Excalibur And X-Men And we'll start with X-Force number 12 Written by Benjamin Percy Art by Balzadwea Colors by Guru FX And letters by VCs Joe Caramanga Deadly Alliance, Beast, Sage, and Cecilia Reyes discovered the armored Russian super soldiers that attack Krakoa are bioengineered to have a similar agent nestled inside. They ended up having attacked by pretty much those Russian nesting doll nonsense things in the last issue. And a lot of stuff did happen last issue, including... Kid Omega was ambushed by one of those escaped agents who stabbed them with the stolen Cerebro sword and kicked them through a portal to Moscow into the clutches of the mysterious Mikhail, and that is Mikhail Rasputin, that we start the issue with him dragging poor Kid Omega, poor Quentin, just dragging him at with, and he has the Cerebro sword as well there, dragging him to what will be, you know, pretty much, Torture, it's going to seemingly end up the way Domino was flayed, all that stuff in the beginning of this book. Uh, Quentin says, you're not going to stop us. We're going to win. He's like, "Eh, you know, I know that you can be resurrected. I know all of that nonsense. But for now, you know, I'm going to try to screw around with you. I I got reasons to take you away. Now, we have this issue continuing the craziness of one beast. Hank is going a little bit over the line. He's crossed a bunch of lines already, but in this, you end up through what he does in the issue, but also with a letter that he writes in his diary that's included here, seeing that Hank thinks that, yeah, you know, maybe having a lot of these former villains on Krakoa, having people that maybe we don't really trust... Not the greatest of ideas. He has been going back and forth to Xavier. It says, telling Xavier, I I don't trust people on this island. I think we have to put things into play. And you end up having a thing where Xavier's like, I can tell where all of them are here. 
and tapping Cerebro on his head, and then, and I trust him here, tapping his heart. Beast doesn't play that. Beast don't play that game. He says that there is trouble, and even says in this journal entry, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, people on the set. There's a lot of mutants that have a lot of crazy powers, and I think that someone might be able to override Cerebro, get past Cerebro, sneak in, all these things where you have Beast very, very worried, but you also have a lot of characters that have been with Beast, Jean Grey, now Sage, not really trusting him either, knowing that he is doing some wacky stuff. So you end up having Sage, she comes to and goes to the computer to help, you know, figure out some things, and they end up seeing a burning, pretty much a burning bit of graffiti that says Mikhail. And yeah, Rasputin is showing up big in this issue and showing that he is going to team up with some of the, you know, enemies of Krakoa as well as maybe get some inside spy jobs going here. And that's why Beast is worried. Beast has been worried about this. And this is where Beast, because Russia has been this big problem, because Russia has caused a lot of nonsense. He starts doing, you know, pretty much setting up the Krakowin mutants from Russia internment camp is really what it ends up being. He goes and rounds up and starts to round up all of the mutants with Russian ties. Uh, They go and they hunt down Omega Red, who's out in the wild, and he is killing wild animals. He's trying to keep the bloodlust down that way. He ends up getting this what would be a rhinoceros moose wild boar combo it's and maybe even a a horse it's there's a lot going on in this thing but you know you have omega red kills it and starts feeding off it and that's when you have black tom and beast show up and beast keeps showing up like a real jerk a real pompous ass he is you know and he shows up and it's like hey hey what up Omega Red, yeah, you're feeding there, I see, but how long is that going to satiate your hunger? Uh, Yeah, Black Tom, do your thing, and ends up capturing Omega Red. Well, with that, we also go off and see what Rasputin really is up to. Mikhail goes and finds the Xeno Lab, where you have the guy with the peacock tattoo. He is there trying to give... His man, and tell everybody, show people what goes on, where he has his man Finnegan, his big Bane-like, you know, second-in-commander, at least bodyguard. And he cuts off his arm and then gives him a new, a new improved mutant arm where he's there and saying, listen, the, mut- the mutants, they, they have the head start. Yes, the mutation that led to them and led to Homo Superior, all that, that took real long. You know, and and us humans, we don't have that much time. We got to act now. So what we're going to do, where you end up having the mutants say that they are superior because of this long line of mutations that took millennia, all that. Well, what humans have is our smarts. We're clever. We're also pretty bad. We're pretty bad. And I think that what we're doing here is the right way. We are splicing ourselves together to make ourselves superior to even the mutants. And this is how humanity will evolve we're not gonna wait we're not gonna wait for stupid mutations you know that's nonsense we're gonna take it to the streets ourselves we're gonna create these and they have been they've been trying to do this obviously they had domino and we're using her to kind of splice in to make a hybrid deal and we see this with finnegan as rasputin shows up and says yeah uh, about that uh what are you guys doing because i i kind of think it's neat But I also think you should have told me I should be involved here. And you have a bit of a fight going on between Mikhail and Finnegan, where you end up having Rasputin just pretty much turn Finnegan to stone and then cut him into pieces with the Cerebro sword. And then he goes up to the guy with the peacock tattoos and says, you know, we're going to, Let's start talking here. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead you guys. I'm going to go. I'm joining up with you guys. And this is where his evolution, it seems. Like Rasputin thinks the evolution is humans and mutants 
taken it for themselves and the bad will end up winning out. And he says, I have a bunch of people on Krakoa. I'm going to end up going from the inside out and we're going to get all of this going on. And plus, real interested in what you did with Domino. And I think that maybe you can, you know, continue your experiments. Here you go and throws Kid Omega at them. See what you can do with him. Well, you end up having all this stuff going on. And yeah, it's pretty big. It's pretty big for Mikhail to join up with Zeno. We still don't know fully, you know, Zeno's deal, the man with the peacock tattoos and things like that. So I like this. Going into Tennis Swords, you have the Cerebro Sword, obviously, here. But also the idea that I'd rather have a badass villain for this book to uh, like Rasputin where I can point to him and go, yep, he's badass instead of, you know, our white suited guy with the mask and the tattoos on his arm. I don't like sleeve tattoos myself. So this ends up up in the ante also does show that beast is on to something. There is the idea that there are people on Krakoa that are going to be sympathizers slash spies slash whatever. For Rasputin, I don't think they're the ones that he's gathering, though. I think Beast is way off just going with Russia. And even when at the beginning, when you had Ken Omega as he, you know, got run through and then thrown through the gate to Russia and you end up having Mikhail have him saying, you know, you gave up your people for your country. And Mikhail's like, no, 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 I am Russia. You know, I'm for myself. I'm doing it for me. And you go off from there. So. You know, you have Mikhail as a pretty big villain right there, but then you end up having the idea that some good guys, through their actions, can start being villains as well, and that's Beast, and he has been. I mean, Jean Grey was really freaked out by him earlier in the series. You have Sage that's kind of like, yeah, you sound, you know, like kind of bad, but with this, they end up going off to the Savage Lands, which we've already seen. We've already seen that Cyclops has decided to go off to the Savage Lands with his girl, Kayla, his girl, and they are growing flowers there for Krakoa, for the drugs and all of that. He just wants a farmer's life. Kayla says that she's there to provide Colossus Peter with the, the life that he needs, this farming life. Well, we also see her pretty much activate her mutant powers and blast Beast with a water blast She has water controlling powers where her eyes glow And she can manipulate water And so with that You end up having Beast, Wolverine And Domino You know, there to take Colossus Back to Krakoa At this point, you don't necessarily Know exactly what's going to happen We've already seen Omega Red get grabbed And they, hey, we gotta make sure you're not Dealing with that Rasputin, yeah, we'll get you and now we go to get Colossus, and it's starting to click now. He's going after all the Russians here. And so when they go, they're nice. And and the thing that's evil, I think, with, with Beast here is him bringing Domino, who, you know, Domino and Colossus have had recent deal with each other. They're friends, so they're, but also brings Wolverine in case things go wrong, and Beast himself can handle himself, but... You end up with them saying, we're taking Colossus back. In my mind, what they have told Wolverine and Domino is, we just have to get him back to Krakoa. We're going to talk to him. We're going to see if he knows anything of what's going on with Mikhail. We're going to see if he knows anything. Has anybody contacted him? Things like that. I mean, we just saw Colossus go off to Krakoa to help fight against the big attack by Zeno and stuff like that. So you would never expect that they would think that he is bad because it's Colossus. But the thing is, through this letter, through this logbook of Beast, you realize he is screwing with Colossus big time. He even says, hey, I'm going to put on these you know, handcuffs. I'm going to put them on you. I know you can break out of it. It's just ceremonial. It's just something that we want to do. And when they go back through the gate, you know, Beast is leading them. You have Wolverine and Domino there. Kayla, they say goodbye to her. She says, please come back soon and do your farming. And, and he says, I will. Eventually, I will be able to plant my roots here. Well, they go back to Krakoa and everybody is there. All the mutants are there watching as Colossus gets pulled through the gate with handcuffs on. 
And through this logbook, you see that what Beast is doing is making this a spectacle. He's making this a parade. He's making it something where the other mutants, he wants them to see the big bad Colossus being brought through in handcuffs. Uh, so that anybody else he, and Not necessarily saying that Colossus Has done anything bad But it's one of those Hey all you watching And any of you are up to nonsense Look I got Colossus And, and we put him in handcuffs and brought him through What do you think you're going to be able to get away from us now And he is using Wolverine, Domino as well But Colossus big time Wolverine freaks out Punches Beast right in the stomach and just says, what are you doing? And you end up having Beast say, my job, that's what I'm doing. If he's innocent, we'll make a spectacle of that as well. And Wolverine punches him, says, you son of a bee. And then you end up having Domino says to Colossus, I'm sorry, I'm effing sorry about this. Now, through this whole time, Colossus, very calm, he keeps saying, I didn't do anything. It'll be fine. You know, says to Caleb, I'll I'll just tell them what's going on. They'll know. Didn't do anything. It's fine. And when he goes through, he does not break out of these bindings. He could, but he's just going to let Domino take them off while Wolverine, he is freaking out. Beast is, is just hunched over after getting punched by him. And Wolverine pops the claws and goes running through all of the mutants that are gathered there, telling them to get the hell out. Get the F out right now. And they all scattered. But you end up, Colossus saying, maybe after I prove that, you know, I have nothing to hide, you'll leave me alone. And it's sad. It really is sad. The idea where Colossus is already having a crisis himself. This is why he's growing flowers in the Savage Lands. And now he's being used for this. And it really is one of those. Now, you could say this is set up to be like, Huh, maybe he'll go over to the side of Mikhail now because, you know, that I, I don't think so. I love Colossus. I just think he just wants to be left the hell alone. He doesn't want this nonsense. This whole thing on Krakow now has turned into just, you know, ridiculousness. He'd rather just go to the Savage Lands with Kayla. Now, I do think that Kayla is going to be in trouble at some point. I do think that they may go after her. And I say may, and I'm meaning, you know, Mikhail. And all that nonsense, Zeno, if they find out. So I hope that that's not the case. But you end up at the end where all this stuff going on in the Cerebro Sword, huge. I mean, that is a huge thing. They even talk about it in this issue of like, yeah, we're screwed. Like, they have the Cerebro Sword. But there's Mikhail who just hands it to the man with the peacock tattoos and says, here you go. Here's your Cerebro Sword. This has everything in it. I mean, this is the greatest thing ever. It has all the intelligence of Xavier, uh, of Krakoa as a whole, is in that sword. Now, the only good thing about this so far, if you are a mutant, is that they don't know how to access it. The guy even says, how do you access it? And Mikhail doesn't even know. He's like, I don't know, but you'll have to figure it out, you know, see what's going on. And by the way, Here's Omega. Here's Omega. You go and Kid Omega, uh, yeah, try to do something with him like you did with Domino. And that's big. I mean, Domino's fine and dandy. You get to sneak into Krakow with some skin grafts. You end up lessening her luck, but maybe your luck goes up a little. But Kid Omega is a little more than that. If, if they could end up tapping into him, that's trouble. But you go back off to end this whole deal where. Wolverine goes and gets Gene to come and check out what is going on on Krakow with Beast, but also to figure out what exactly is going on with Colossus Omega Red. They are tied up by, you know, vines and stuff that would have been Black Tom's deal. He seems to be right in with Beast. And yeah, Gene's surprised. Gene has already had problems with the way Beast is acting and what he's been doing. So we'll see how that is. See if Gene can figure out. If Omega Red and Colossus are on the up and up, I actually think both are, you know, on the the deal with Mikhail. But we'll see. But we're heading off to the whole Ten of Swords. And, yeah, one of the swords, the Cerebro Sword, is in the hands of the leader of Xeno. So that's pretty big. I like this issue. I think that the art was really good. It's one of those where when I first read it, I'm like, okay, you know, it's kind of cool. You're setting up some things and things. 
But the beast part, and especially when you read that letter, when you read his logbook, you realize, okay, Beast is is going bad. I mean, he is not doing things right. He is, and it's one of those things. Is he doing things right or wrong? I I, I don't know. We're gonna see. I said already. You do have Mikhail saying, "Well, you got some bad people." I have, you know, undercover there on on Krakow. So he's onto something, but. He's not doing things ethically. He's not doing things that are what heroes and good people do. So it's kind of scary where he is heading. So we'll see where it all ends up. But I'm going to go off now to a book that should be pretty big because we're heading off to the whole Ten of Swords. And one of the big books for that is Excalibur and one of the writers that is you know, co-writing the whole deal with Jonathan Eggman as Teeny Howard, who's on Excalibur. So we'll go off to Excalibur number 12. And Excalibur number 12 is written by Teeny Howard, art by Marcus Toe, colors by Eric Arcianega, letters by VCs Ariana Mayer, external forces, it is called here. Excalibur's quest to plant a permanent crack Cohen gate into the other world led them directly to Opal Luna, Saturnine, the omniversal Magistrix, who was none too happy with their meddling in her affairs. Though, I don't know. She, she seems a little mad. I, you know, her priestesses attack the team as they approach the Starlight Citadel in the midst of the confrontation. Richter jumped through an incomplete Krakoan gate. With Richter's fate unknown and Rogue and Gamma getting into trouble elsewhere in the Citadel, Captain Britain now faces an infuriated Saturnine. She doesn't seem that furious to me. She just kind of seems, you know, not really liking. Betsy would have rather had Brian still as Captain Britain. You know, Jamie, he's just crazy. He's off doing his things as well. But Saturnine, in my mind, is just like, yeah, I don't really like you. And I'm just going to wait it out because, you know, I've kind of checked the stats through the multiverse and you kind of what you are, mutant stuff like this, it doesn't work out really well. And plus, what's going to happen when England pretty much turns on Krakow, where were your alliances lie? And we've gotten this before. And so when you jump into this issue, the thing that I find not so great about this book is the stakes so far. Now, you end up where you're leaning into Ten of Swords. I'm sure that all of this will end up becoming bigger, but we spent 12 issues pretty much with Apocalypse bitching and moaning because he wants a permanent gate to the other world. And it's too many issues to be dealing with that in my mind. And so we're we're getting it here. But we also ended up having last issue, we had story time with Apocalypse and Richter. This is before Richter jumped into the, you know, the gate, the unactivated gate. And when you ended up having the story time, you had Apocalypse telling Richter all about the externals, the high lords. And in particular, talking about how in the past Condra has figured out how to get her soul into a gem, all of this leading to the cliffhanger where you end up seeing the gem and the connection Condra with Gambit. Gambit grabs it knowing seemingly what it is. And so that was a pretty cool cliffhanger. But we almost play this off as if we weren't involved in the conversation because you end up having a lot of things happening here, including Apocalypse, you know, kind of turning on the High Lords. He ends up bringing them in, and that's one of the things. They end up where if anybody says, hey, we're having a meeting, everybody has to show. There are no Evite maybes with the externals. You can't do that. But they end up showing up here. And, you know, there's Apocalypse. We're going to have to get this going. You know, some of you guys, you know, might not be down with this. But, you know, who's with me? Who's against me? Let's end up fighting. Well, you end up with Condra actually being killed. You end up with her being killed. You end up with Saul being killed. Condra, Nicodemus, Cruel. These all end up dead. You end up left with Absalom that almost gets killed. He pretty much, I thought he was done. But he's okay. Gideon survives Selene. And so you have this where Richter shows up and starts going ham. And and the big idea of all this, and that's what happened when the gate kind of didn't have the deal. That's where Apocalypse used that whole deal to lead Richter here. And now we're going to have a big fight. and We're going to end up killing the High Lords. And we had the story time, like I said, last issue. And some of it plays off well. You were told then that if a High Lord, if an external dies, 
the rest of the living externals, they can get that power. The power then goes to them. It splits between the remaining ones. So this is a power up for them. But the idea of Contra, where we really, really went into the idea that Apocalypse became aware that Contra had done this, put her power in the soul so it couldn't be absorbed. This went against what they were all about. Everybody is pissed. Well, then when you do this and Contra ends up dead, you're almost like, you know, Teeny Howard thinks that you're supposed to be surprised that her power wasn't in her body, that when she died, her bones, they haven't had her essence in them for quite some time. Then you end up having apocalypse. She must have put it in one of her trinkets. Well, we already saw that that would be. I mean, if if it wouldn't have been the jewel that gambit had it would have been a shock because that's all we saw and it's gambit with the connection to conjure so all of this to me was very forced setup and it didn't play out as well i wish that we ended up having apocalypse tell richter some of the story last issue and then in this one revealing to richter the rest okay i see what conjure did this is what she did before i was expecting this i was doing this but he seems kind of shocked as well and it played off kind of odd but you do end up showing that apocalypse he will go and he'll go behind people's backs he will end up you know taking out people that are in even his own coven but one of the things that is kind of focused on and what was cool about all this is you did have the high lords the externals and they had two big things that they could do they could be resurrected because they were the high lords that you couldn't kill them they were you know all this and also their communion where they can end up jumping to each other and things like that well in the meantime any mutant could do that now they have resurrection on Krakoa with the five and now you have the gates so it does make the idea of the high lords you know obsolete and they even get mad at that and Richter He's going full with it. Richter seems to really like the idea. Yeah, you know what? I didn't even have power for a little bit ago. Now I'm back and I'm ready to go. And plus now I'm just like you guys. I'm like a high lord myself. I could get resurrected. I could go through gates. So really, you guys aren't special anymore. And it's not just that they're obsolete because even with that, you end up saying apocalypse saying you're not obsolete. Obsolete means that, you know, there's no use. Oh, there's use. For you and we have a community Here and we have a community To feed and you are the fuel That's basically the I'm going to kill a bunch of you and I'm going to We're all going to take your power and stuff like that So you have all that but in This it's funny because I, I saw A lot of people talking about the idea That this shows apocalypse is bad News you know oh my he's Going to turn on everyone but If you really think about it And while you end up having these high lords, the high lords that do end up dead, they're shouting a lot of bad stuff. They're saying, you know, well, we could still end up ruling from the shadows. It doesn't matter if they could do the same thing. We can do that. Like, it, it could be, if you look at it through a different lens, if you look at it at the lens of a Krakoan mutant, you could see that Apocalypse might be doing Krakoa a big favor here, getting rid of some guys and gals. That would probably turn or at least they have their own interests above everything else. Now, it's funny to say that that's not what Apocalypse is doing because you probably think that he is. But he is really he he's towing the company line, at least as he's saying things, saying like, yeah, you guys, we have a community now, a community that's all as powerful as all of us. We're going to do this. The community lives. The coven of us is now bigger. It's the coven of Krakow. All these things going on really do push the idea that he's all down with Krakoa, but we'll see. And, and and what seems to be happening is, you know, you end up having Apocalypse playing with a lot of things that may be, you know, even above his pay grade a little, but it might end up messing with some things that he shouldn't have messed. And even at the end, it says, you know, he, Apocalypse was afraid that he might lose something that was real important, and he's going to. And so... You're like, yeah, okay. But it does set up the idea because now with all of this taken care of and with the whole deal with Conjure, they need her power to complete the whole deal with the four remaining High Lords and Richter where they end up wanting to open up this permanent gate. And we know 
And Apocalypse doesn't seem to know where, but he knows the idea that she has put it, and I'm talking about Conjuro's, put her power into a gem. And we do see right away that it is the one that Richter went and grabbed. And you have you have Gambit playing kind of coy here, where Rogue's like, yeah, then that thing looks familiar. Why'd you pick that? Like, all the things that were... Eh, Mona me, I don't know. You know, let's just walk down the hall and talk. And while you walk ahead, I'm going to talk to Kondra's spirit in my head. And then they have the conversation. Kondra comes in. He's getting all handsy. Ghost Kondra's real handsy. It's Casper, the real friendly ghost, if you know what I'm saying there. And she's rubbing Gambit's chest and saying about pretty much, all right, well, you know, hey there, sexy gambit, you're going to protect me. You're going to do what's right for me. You're going to have all this problems with apocalypse, all this stuff going on. But I ended up putting all my essence, my power, my soul into this gem. And I ended up putting it in the Starlight Citadel here because, you know, Luna Saturn, she does not like apocalypse. This seemed like a place that would be out of his reach. Also, with the idea that. They don't have a way to get there. Well, that's what Apocalypse is trying to do. And it's a weird deal where you have Conjure with the gem soul deal in the other world so that you wouldn't have Apocalypse get it. But Apocalypse is trying to make a gate to the other world, but needs the gem. And I wish that there was more of a synergy to the idea that maybe he knew that it was in the other world and he needed to make the gate to go get it. And then you ended up having, you know, maybe the whole deal of tricking Excalibur team to go in there and do that. But it it doesn't seem to connect the dots as well as that. It seems to almost be, you know, a coincidence of the, okay, we have to open the gate, but we need Conjure's deal. Her power is in the other world, which I can't get in because of the gate, but we have them. So I would like to see that because with this, you also have Gambit has been pissed off through this whole Excalibur book because of what apocalypse did to rogue where she ended up in the coma she was the lighthouse all these things going on so it is set up by teeny howard to make you think that gambit will not betray Condra here he wouldn't want to overpower apocalypse this would be the way to get back uh, uh but he he goes with apocalypse he does end up where they end up having a portal and he throws Condra's gem through it where it goes right to apocalypse he picks it up and boom we're making another world gate we have the gate permanent gate to the whole other world now the other thing going on here is like i said earlier where aluna saturnine she doesn't like betsy thinks that betsy's nonsense she liked brian it seems like at points she liked brian because brian he'd do what she wants right and maybe she's afraid that betsy has a little bit too much mind of her own, but also you, you keep tying into that idea that she has split allegiances. She is she has her allegiance to Krakow and the mutants, as well as to Otherworld and Britain. And you end up having her show. And we saw this before when we went into different multiverse and we saw that Captain Britain core where you had Gambit, Captain Britain, Rogue, Captain Britain, Jubilee, Cap- like pretty cool Richter, Captain Britain, and I thought that this was going to be more of something, but what you end up seeing is Saturnine takes Betsy to see this and says, yeah, look, these are all abominations. These are mistakes from different realities where, you know, mutants became Captain Britain. It never works out. It's not good. It, it stinks. And you have them there in these crystals, in these big giant crystals, almost like if you're a DC fan, looks a lot like, the bat cave where you have all of the suits and things like that and i can only imagine that these are set here and reminded with a wink wink because they are going to end up being used and important in what is coming up in ten of swords i can only think that we'll get betsy and this captain britain reality core thing going on maybe even having richter using his deal to break them out of these crystals we'll see that's that's just me that's just me talking well You end up while they are talking. And again, I said, she doesn't seem really, really angry. She's just a little pissed off. But just the idea, she just thinks Betsy is nonsense. And she even says, you know, uh, what happens when the hate 
with the hate of England uh, for your kind, for the mutants, overwhelms your sense of duty. And this is what her big thing is. And again, this is what we've been playing at since the beginning. And one of the things that, you know, this book, it just seems to not get on with the next story. It always has things hanging uh, everything kind of comes back, but not in a way that seems like, oh, that's a clever callback. It's like, oh, we're getting back to that again, and we never really dealt with it that much then, and now we do. But you end up where it seems as if there's an intruder when you do have Betsy and Saturnine like right in each other's face, and the intruder though seems to be like it's Gambit and Rogue running away from the priestesses with the whole soul gem there, and. You know, you have Saturnine say, you know, give me that gem. That's mine. That's my stuff. You you give that back. You're not allowed to take that. And he's like, nope, I'm going to throw it through this portal. Off it goes through the gate. Boom. Apocalypse opens up the deal. You end up having Otherworld kind of falling apart a little. You have uh, the whole Starlight Citadel. It's taking off. It's getting the heck out. So you have all these things going on that set up the whole you know, ten of swords, and it says at the end, um, to persist past today to accept an unknown future, but we have learned the value of sacrifice. This is apocalypse saying this, you know, we're more than just us, everybody's involved, and we all have to sacrifice. And he says, I got rid of the, you know, high lords. I'm getting rid of the people who will not sacrifice themselves for the good of, you know, the mutants and the good of the weaker things like that So like I said he's playing it up And saying all the right things As he seems to be doing all the wrong things But it says in that moment The magician of mutant kind spoke A bardic truth He would indeed lose more than he had planned for So you end that And we end up with going on to tennis And this is probably one of the better issues Of Excalibur and this is what I hope about this you end up with teeny hour and I said one of the things that does annoy me with this book is kind of not just the lack of focus but the lack of finality to things going on the lack of explaining how big something is or saying something is really big but then it isn't there's a weird focus the pacing is is up but this issue shows me that with a little more focus and with something where You know, Teeny Howard writing now, boy, I have to get to Ten of Swords, not boom, boom, boom. Uh, She can write a pretty good issue. She can write something that I can get behind. And I hope that this is something where it carries on even past Ten of Swords. I would hope, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm telling you, a lot of people are fired up for Ten of Swords. I'm not. I just want to wait and see. Of course, coming up this week when we have the X-Men show we will have ten of swords creation number one that will be one of the issues that we talk about on the next episode of the x-men show but we're not done here yet and and here's the thing too i just remember why am i not giving scores for these i am so off with all these podcasts i'm telling you i don't know what's going on i did it for star wars in the regular show deal so what i will now retroactively go back i'm not going to edit it in i am doing that i'm too lazy uh, I give the X Force an eight five as well as giving Excalibur an eight five. So two eight fives. Now we'll go off, and I hope I remember to give the score for the X Men because we're going off to X Men number twelve. And this is X Men number twelve. It's written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Laniel Francis Yu. It is colored by Sonny Go and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And it's an issue that is called Now As Then. In the early days of the Krakoan nation, it merged with a mysterious island of beasts. A piece of Krakoa's lost other half, Arako. The only other inhabitant of this fragment was a summoner. The summoner who's a freaky and a creepy. This guy creeps me the heck out. Invulnerable and able to call forth monsters who has now made his home on Krakow. He's also the summoner. He's also Apocalypse's grandson. So we have that. We start off with this game, this Iraqi game that the summoner keeps, you know, pushing on rock slide. They're, they're playing it. And it's one of those where it was set up last issue where, listen, when we start, it may go on forever. Nothing can interrupt this game. You know, nothing but a Kotati invasion and then Apocalypse showing up. That, that's about the only things that Duh. can end up, you know, interrupting it. I think there might be a bunch others as well. But 
you end up having Apocalypse show up and say, hey, what's going on? And Sumner says, well, we're playing a game. Would you like to play? This is the best line of the whole deal and really creepy on Summoner's part again. Apocalypse says, do I look like somebody who likes to play games? And Summoner's like, yes, you do. (laughs) You do look like somebody who likes to play games. And Apocalypse, okay, enough of that nonsense. I set you up there, but, you know, let's move on from there. Hey, Rockslide, Loa, and Anol, you you guys skedaddle. Make yourself scarce. I need to talk to Summoner. Summoner's like... See you later, my friends. Rockside seems smitten, so that's cool. But boy, Summoner, even in the little, you know, little square picture in the recap, it creeps me out. Creeps me out. Looks right into my soul, he does, and sees nothing. But you end up where Apocalypse is there with Summoner, his grandson, and ends up saying about all these things about what's going on, what happened on Arako after I left and saying, you know, uh, you're part of my lineage. I, I accept that you are my grandson. I am going to and about to send a lot of people into other world, possibly off into places unknown. I mean, maybe they're going after the ultimate warrior. I don't know. He's he's from places unknown. Well, you end up where he's like, tell me. A little bit more about Arako, and it's one of those where he wants to know what the hell happened after I left. What were they talking about me? Did, did everybody say how cool I was? And Sumner actually tells him, "Yeah, some people did. Some people just thought you ditched us. You know, there was a lot of talk when you ended up disappearing through that rip." But he ends up going through, and it even has a page that's a, a mutant's history of Arako in the fallen world of Amenth, and this sets up. Ten of Swords, specifically with the idea of what Apocalypse has been up to. This actually fills in a blank that was there in my head. A lot of blanks there, but this blank because through all of the stuff with Excalibur, I never got the full idea of why Apocalypse kept having to open this gate. You know, oh, he needs this gate, he needs this gate. I thought that what he was was a fan like the Renaissance Fair, and he needed a quick way to there. You know, when when Apocalypse wants to get his Renaissance Fair on, he does not want to travel very far. He wants an external gate. Boom, right there. That's all it was in my mind. And again, this might be something where it's because of, you know, my lack of knowledge, me being a dummy, and something because I have just jumped onto the Xbox with this whole Dawn of X stuff. So if that's the case... I apologize, and you can call me a dummy because I am. But throughout the whole Excalibur deal, and yelling about this gate all the time, well, now at least I see, and maybe everybody else as well, that it is the idea that he's going to go into the other world, and then they can get from there to Araco. This is where you're going to go, and other places as well. So with that, he wants to know, Apocalypse wants to know from Summoner, hey, grandson. The hell happened after I left? And we do get a history. We get a history, including when Apocalypse was there. It's kind of a funny deal because you you have Jonathan Ickman. He wants to fill everybody in on everything. So you end up with someone well, well, you know, how about I tell you about things that you already know, just so we're on the same page before we go. Okay, Grandpa? All right, here we go. Remember when you were there and we had all that problem with the Twilight Sword and then the White Sword? Oh, my God, the Purity Sword. These things were crazy. And anytime, especially as we're heading this week into Ten of Swords, you know, any sort of sword talk, you're like, all right, let's see what's going on here. There's much sword talk. This must be important. And you do see Apocalypse fighting. He's protecting Araco. All these things with Genesis, his wife, all these things going on. And he goes through the rift and disappears. Now people are like, well, some people thought that you ended up going through there and sealing it off to protect us. Other people said you were nonsense and you ran from us and you ended up leaving your family, friends and all your people behind. You know, there was a lot of talk with that, but it was something that shouldn't have happened two were separate husband from wife parent from child Arako from krakoa all of these things get severed and we see as this goes on Arako and the mutants in Arako they, they had a, a tough time there was a lot of problems in Arako the whole deal of what they ended up finding was the world called Amenth 
a black world, a fallen world that's just destroyed. You end up seeing a bunch of mutants there being crucified, all these things, all these fights going on. And this went on and on, except for, you know, summoners, people. And the they ended up being able to hold some things off with the wonders that they had, with the the mutant magic and all this going on, that they were able to protect themselves enough. But you end up having the white sword of purity. You end up having wars and all this crazy stuff, including people turning on other people and the idea of Genesis being ridiculed, pretty much laughed at by everyone and then killed. She ended up getting killed, and this is something that would definitely be, you know, something that might piss off Apocalypse with all this going on, plus is people being treated like crap, all that stuff. So you end up with, again, the idea that this external gate will be able to get people to Krakow, or Krakow, I'm sorry, the other world, and then from the other world get to Araka because that's the plan. That's the plan right now. Apocalypse is going to send Summoner, and I don't know if you realize, he he don't got no clothes on. You see his butt cheeks there. But you end up having him, Eunice the Untouchable, and Banshee, who will accompany Summoner and protect him, uh, to go off to the other world, to Arako, uh, to find a path and herald Apocalypse's return. He's going to return. He's going to do a lot of cleaning up. He, it may be that he goes there and finds that he has to rescue people. And this is where Summoner says, well, you know, what should we do? Are we going to do this so we can save, you know, any survivors to free them from slavery? Is that what we were going to do? Yeah, yeah, that. But, uh, you know, also a little thing called revenge. I don't know if you've ever had that dish served cold, but that's what we're going to do. They're going to eat cold. I don't, I don't like many cold dishes. I've said this before. If, in fact, you end up having, you know, Revenge as a dinner meal I like most of my dinner meals Warm at least if not hot So I don't want revenge for dinner So you end up where they are going off You end up having Summoner then say To his grandpapa I can feel it grandfather This is the beginning of a new age And when you see me again I will greet you in the manner befitting Not just a hero of Krakow But as the father and true heir of Arako. You have my word, a grandfather, this I promise, and off he goes. And him and Eunice and Banshee are off to see what's going on. And and Apocalypse really does. He says, if you find out that it's nonsense, if you go there and it's all hell's but you skedaddle back here. You right back to me, and then we're going to go, and we're going to get our revenge. And that's what I think will end up happening. I have a feeling that good old Apocalypse already has revenge on the mind. I I don't think he's ever just going to go back and save a couple people and say, all right, we did that. But this is also big for, you know, uh, Araco itself and its people with Krakow, all these things and Apocalypse. And we see why he was so gung-ho to go and open up and make that gate so that you can just get freely to the other world. So overall... I liked it. I didn't think it was the greatest thing. I think it's a lot of setup. It's a lot of, you know, it's weird. It's not just setup of like, okay, this person's here, that person's there. It's it's a fill in the info setup to really get us fully in the mind of Apocalypse so that we know what he wants to do. And now we're going to see how far he will go to do it with the old Ten of Swords and all that. But just a little bit of information actually let me appreciate Excalibur a teeny bit more, a teeny, teeny Howard a bit more. And so uh, I'll give it that credit, but I'm going to give it a 7.5 overall. I like the art enough and things like that. I'm not a real big fan of Laniel Francis Yu with all of the other artists involved. Uh, not my favorite, not my favorite at all, but that's just me personally. So if you like Laniel Francis Yu's art, you can maybe put a point on that score yourself but that's it let me know what you think if you think that i'm complete nonsense you can tell me i get told that by my kids and my wife every day including right before i came down to do this so i'm used to it it still hurts it still hurts deep deep down but i'm used to it it's kind of like it's kind of like one of those like it's scab that keeps getting ripped open right Sound like a sad sack here. I, I don't know what I'm doing now. Oh you. my goodness. We will never forgive you. Do you hear what Greta just said? Wife and kids. 
I'm shaking my fist at them because I'm in the basement. Take that! All right. Well, I'm going to go. Thanks, everybody. This is the last episode before the big new era. It's funny because as Summoner was going off to go through the gate and said, I feel a new era, he may have been talking about the new way we're doing the podcast. I don't think he he is because I don't know that. I don't think he's down with the podcast. I don't think he's listening. He may be. I think maybe Apocalypse does. And he's like, I can't stand that they won't call me A. I won't do it. I'm not going to do it, Apocalypse. So take that. That's backdoor shade at you, Duh. jerk. But yeah, we'll go off uh, next to Ten of Swords. And if you are playing at home, you'll realize that I did skip Giant Size X-Men Storm number one. I did skip that so that I have two books to talk about on the X-Men show coming up next weekend i wanted to be able to talk too and i figured that was an easier one to kind of let it go till then so we will be talking ten of swords creation number one and giant size x-men storm number one but if you were wondering what we might be talking about on the wednesday show on the big show this week let me give you what could be a little bit of a you know, look at what we could be doing. We'll be talking about Daredevil number 22. We'll be talking possibly Immortal She-Hulk number one. I was talking to Brand about that. That might just be me. But we'll also have Maestro number two, Spider-Man number four, Spider-Woman number four, and Venom number 28, at least, if not some more books. So we're going to, like I said, we're going to throw a bunch of books in. It looks like this week's Patreon-only show that if you want to listen to that, you have to sign up on patreon.com slash weirdscience will be juggernaut number one and fantastic for antithesis number two. Those were picked by the badasses that get fresh poopy poop. And I'm not going to dilly-dally anymore. Thanks, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed the show. I hope that you tune in tomorrow night to listen to episode 219 where we go through a ton of books and start the new way of doing the podcast but thanks everybody and i'll talk to you later